0: Welcome to South of
1: Hollywood. I'm your girl Freedom. Tenacity, that DJ. Happy Long Beach Pride weekend,
0: y'all. <laughs> hey. Um. So this week we're here to talk about one of our favorite topics: the ghetto. Mm hmm. Yeah. With the untimely passing of John Singleton, famed filmmaker and artur, we thought we'd take a look at some of his work and his impact in a greater sense across the dynamic world and representation of the hood
1: yeah so stay tuned for our real segment but right now we got to get into our south of hollywood radar (laughs) 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 all righty so first on the radar is rocket man this is paramount pictures y'all so uh, we are going to be in for an epic treat. I just freaking love Elton John. Elton John. So mm-hmm. this is Dexter Fletcher, uh, who actually finished off Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, after Bryan Singer was fired, you know, uh, written by Lee Hall, and it's starring Richard Madden, uh, Turn Egerton, and Bryce Dallas Har- uh, Howard. So it was a world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival just, you know, the other day on May 16th, and it will be in theaters everywhere May 31st. Um, so we will be posting, uh, the trailer so you can check that out on our Facebook feed, but we are going to be seeing an early screening tonight. So we will also, uh, give you a review as to, you know, how we enjoyed it.
0: I'm really interested because you know what, we don't think about it, but Elton John has had like a crazy life. Like, I mean, we only knew him as an older person, but I swear I've heard lots of stories about his past.
1: Yeah, it it is quite wild. And I'm excited for this movie as a fan of Elton John and, you know, as a fan of Fletcher's work from what he was able to do with Bohemian Rhapsody and like really Mm -hmm. say that, you know, we've geeked about that before. So I first saw this trailer uh, earlier this year when I was checking out Stars Born. And it's a fortune that we really get to have a living legend who is, of course, active in its development and promotion. But um, Taron Egerton expressed to The Collider last year that Rocketman actually isn't a biopic, uh, but more of a musical fantasy based on Elton's formative years. So you'll get a kick out of that. And his husband, David Furnish, told The Hollywood Reporter uh, that a word of advice that John had to Egerton was, don't copy me. So, you know, this actually sounds like a fun movie gonna be pretty gay i think a little you know big gay, gay fun. right yeah <laughs> a little bit gayer than what uh bohemian rhapsody uh turned out to be i think it was you know underplayed with like freddie mercury in that case but you know hey um so like i said we're gonna be checking it out i'm excited tonight I'm excited. like right after this yeah. so <laughs> um yeah everyone it's in theaters may 31st here awesome man yeah and so so you can check out that trailer mm -hmm. right on our facebook page at south of hollywood podcast (laughs) check it out yeah let's check out our ig feed too so
0: yeah so i'm also really looking forward to seeing john wick Uh three so Mm -hmm. i don't even know where to begin but let's just check out this trailer Mm
1: -hmm. you have no idea
0: what's coming
2: Mr. Wick
1: broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions
0: if he survives. No, no, no.
2: John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be
1: here. Nice suit.
3: Good to see you too.
2: I need your help. After this, we are
0: less
3: than even. There's no escape for you.
0: So yeah, it's the third installment. It's actually, I think I said it last time, it's actually the John Wick film that you thought the first one was going to be, but now it's actually coming to the time where it's like, yeah, I'm about to fuck everybody up. And I just can't wait. And it's got Holly Berry in it. And so, you know, I love seeing her. I love that she's like down to be an action star. And I can't wait. Keanu Reeves will forever be Bay. And it's just going to be in theaters everywhere May 17th, which was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check it out if you haven't seen it already.
1: Oh, I, yeah. I'm just a, a fan of, you know, just the John Wick series. You know, just like even one and two uh, were just such exciting films. And, I uh, yeah, Halle Berry, you know, she at the premiere did go and acknowledge some, you know, black reporters that were excluded as per as like the, of the main press. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's uh, you know, catching some some light for that and really, you know, that solidarity of, you know, black
0: Hollywood. So, shout out to Halle Berry. And one last trailer. So, uh-huh. um my cousin is also a filmmaker. Yes, it runs in the family. And he has just premiered his first um, pilot for a series called "Land of No Pity" about South Central in 1983. So I thought I'd share tra- you trailer tra- with you guys. Check it out. He's hoping that it gets picked up soon, and let us know what you think. unknown male subject a firearm and shot at a group of males standing on the corner. One male appears to be injured and is currently on the ground. 10 ten-four and route. Male with law seen running on foot it will be a black male 20 years got, all black, including that. To
3: Our family rests on the principles of what the nation of Islam teaches. That transcends all this shit. no matter what. our bloodline
0: is our foundation.
3: Don't become the evil that we fight against
1: Because the angels are always watching and are always keeping account. So be righteous. Anymore.
3: They say blessings may come from ways I don't recall. I could have took my team, then instead I took the fall. You see the light pressed, turn me into a damn. I try to get the truth every time that around.
2: You always preaching about the nation of Islam and how we need to be doing right in the eyes of Allah and family and all that, but. Let's hug it, 9 0 no Crippin'. So, my question is
0: why would we just push his muzzlers? If
3: each one of you don't got a trap under your belt, you not from 90s Crip, cuz! What would you do when you bend against the rocks? What would you do when you're back against the wall? Oh, what would you do?
1: What would you do? Yeah. We life of a... And now for the state of Mary Jane. Here you go, friend. Today, we are covering, as uh, part of Leafly's investigation into how the legalization of marijuana gave police time to, you know, fight real crime. Uh, So, you know, what's real crime? That's usually considered, you know, um, property or uh, violent crime. So police quarterly released a study on marijuana legalization and crime clearance rates. This was last July. An independent Washington State University research team utilized the uh, the FBI's (coughs) uniform crime reports data and found no negative effects of legalization on the number of crimes being cleared. Now, some evidence suggests that Perhaps it has improved. Yeah, really? The study is funded by the U.S. Department of Justice uh, grant. So uh, the clearance rate is a ratio of uh, the number of crimes reported and how many arrests or, you know, case closed, uh, you know, police uh, reports are being made. So uh, please keep in mind that clearance rates cannot measure the quality and accuracy in any aspect of police work. It is purely quantitative. However, FBI's uniform crime report system is the most comprehensive program to date, you know, government, right? (laughs) Um, So the first two states to legalize marijuana, Colorado and Washington, you remember, um, they have clearance rates below the national average in the era of the world on drugs. Um, So voters supported Colorado Amendment 64 and Washington Initiative 502 back in 2012 to better prioritize how their law enforcement spends time on the street. Auto burglary, uh, clearance rates, for example, they rose an extra 5% in Washington post-legalization, researchers found, and that's 3% above, uh, beyond the average national average. So Washington even bested the U.S. Uh, in the you know national average of clearance rates for violent crimes by the end of 2014. Uh, so Police Quarterly's report does everything just short of fully concluding there is a direct impact between legalization and clearance rates. For property and uh, violent crime, but the study acknowledges that it has pushed police toward reallocating staff and resources mm-hmm. to different departments, and noted lessening of the practice of collars for dollars. Where you know you know how twelve like trumps up charges, you'll see a swamp of them, and you know you'll see like what's going on. You know, at um, it was just a practice of getting overtime. So trumping up charges, you get you know you get that pay. That person might get off, you know, uh, or you know may be able to drop you know, the charges down, but
0: that's, you know... Uh, yeah, they've been literally charged for yeah, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
1: so uh, so the notion the study conveys along with the overall decrease uh, in, in certain types of crime over recent years is basically what every stoner has been saying since the prohibition of pride, that there would be less crime if, you know, we were legal. So it's really significant that the study was funded also on the federal level. Let's not ignore that. Um, the study can combat the fearful myth that legalization would cause havoc on the streets. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, it's definitely really interesting to to think about how... So basically, that if we decriminalize marijuana, then we're able to reallocate that time and energy and resources to actually solving or more solvable crimes. So yeah, definitely. I think that's number one, one of the reasons the crime will go down. And then two... A lot of the crime itself will go down because the crime is no it's no longer a crime. So therefore it's already being eliminated from the count because we're not arresting people just for marijuana. So the crime of smoking marijuana now decreases because <laughs> right. it's no longer a crime. You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And, and so and, it's really important, yeah. Absolutely. I I think that going forward, you know, this is just gonna be one of the things where Uh, This is going to require local municipalities to have some sort of standardized Mm -hmm. form of, you know, reporting crime because uh, it is not, you know, uh, consistent. And even not just in drug cases, but in cases like rape and, Mm -hmm. you know, sexual assault where, you Mm -hmm. know, these... statistics are not accurate across the, right, board. Across the board you know,
0: um, and police involved yeah. crimes as well mm-hmm. i mean even right. you know they might have an um, investigation on a shooting if especially if it's public or it's been publicized but for the most part there's a lot of things that are probably other things that are happening within the police department that are not being reported or not being reported to the media because you know yeah. nobody wants to talk about what's happening internally as well
1: yeah code blue is very strong Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, well, something definitely has to give on the war on drugs. I do think that, you know, we're we're kind of starting to realize that at the consumer level, you know, a lot of violence and crime can be eliminated simply by incorporating and allowing people to go into business. So that's what Mexico is aiming to do. They actually, um, there was a story dropped by Newsweek. They actually said that Mexico wants to decriminalize all drugs and negotiate with the U.S. to do the same. I mean, basically, especially because so much of what we consider a crime is is the actual trafficking of the drug across the U.S. and Mexican border. It would make sense to consider doing a partnership or some sort of joint um, agreement in which, you know, the trafficking of drugs could be actually monitored and perhaps, you know um, you know, at least somewhat made to be more safe. Um, the president of Mexico often referred to by his initials as AMLO calls for decriminalizing illegal drugs and transferring funds for combating illicit substances to pay for treatment programs instead last October the international drug policy consortium IDPC of global coalition of 170 non-governmental organizations working on drug policy issues released a report that highlight the spectacular failure failure of the global increase in violence that has been caused by the war on drugs. The IDPC report found that there have been a 145% increase in drug-related deaths over the previous 10 years. The number of deaths reached an estimated 4,500,000 in 2015 alone. Drug overdose deaths have skyrocketed uh, Mm 71,000 in the U.S. Additionally, Mm -hmm. one in five prisoners globally are incarcerated to drug-related crimes, often simply for possessing cannabis or or use of illicit substances. How the U.S. would respond to AMLO's plan remains to be seen. Globally, however, it's clear that the conversation around drugs has shifted. Countries from Uruguay to South Africa to Georgia to Thailand have even been reforming their drug laws, specifically when it comes to cannabis. Wow, Ooh, it's going yeah. to be a, it's going to cause it's going to take a global shift, not only in cannabis, but better understanding drugs and the body and the business and how the the outlawing of them has really been the main contributing factor to creating this, you know, violent market that it currently exists in. So I think it could be revolutionary, um, especially because Mex- Mexico was dealing with so much violence around the drug trade. And um, as I was saying before, you know, it's really funny because people always think of drugs as just being on the black market and, and therefore they're illicit. But anything really that's on the black market is um, vulnerable to becoming violent or illicit. Um, if if people were, you know, allowed to just trade pigs privately there would be people killing each other for pigs because pigs would be valuable. So what is different in, this, in that scenario is that in most countries, because pig farming is a part of a global economy, there's um, insurance to some extent. Now, of course it may not be what everyone wants, but the idea being that if someone stole five of your pigs, you wouldn't need to go kill them or steal back all of their pigs and their pigs and their pigs you could actually file a claim for your pigs and receive some partial retribution. OK, so the the idea of making um, drugs, uh, all drugs, you know, um, legal would possibly allow other industries to develop. So the possibility that we could make all drugs legal would potentially open up an opportunity for other businesses and industries that could come to support and allow it to not be quite as violent because like i said there could be an insurance industry then there could be a policing force then Mm -hmm. there could be you know um there could be co-ops then and then people could actually buy into the like the people that actually farm and and distribute can actually buy into the company (laughs) as it were so you know this idea that drugs are just bad because drugs are inherently bad is absolutely a construct. And if we think about it differently, we may be able to come to um, some other resolutions.
1: Even with, you know, uh, Nevada, they're going to have social lounges soon. You know, mm-hmm. not anywhere by the strip, but basically, you know, uh, the expansion of how it's going to be normal or social and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and as, it le- as it legalizes more people who are, who wouldn't otherwise do it. Because there are people out there, you know, that are really like, I'm not going to do it. Oh, why? Because this is illegal. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's it. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just like that, you know, and, and, and you know, so it's, it's, it's widening mm-hmm. in that case. So, um, yeah, man, uh, go Mexico, And we'll be right back. We're glad you liked the show. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel now. In addition, we can be found on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If that wasn't enough, you can check us out on Facebook on our South of Hollywood page. Twitter at S-O-H, the podcast, as well as S-O-H podcast official on Instagram. Our website, southofhollywoodpodcast.com, is
0: live and running. Go and check out exclusive content. If you like southofhollywoodpodcast.com, then advertise with us and reach new audiences. Contact us at sales at South of Hollywood Podcast.com. For more information about affordable rates. All
1: right, we are back. So here's what's hot: Disney is buying everything. Okay, everything, everything. I'm and this is uh, alarming. Okay, and I'm I'm pounding the alarm right now. I'm not gonna scream. <laughs> she, <yes. laughs> pounding the alarm. Okay so you know disney just bought comcast stake in hulu this is a 5.8 billion dollar deal and this is you know as you recall after they won the bidding war to acquire 21st century fox so hulu is the third largest streaming service okay they have 63.9 million view- viewers you know at 28 million paid Subscribers, and so you know, of course, Netflix is number one. You know, they're still maintaining th- these weights, so I'm gonna run over these numbers for you. Netflix has 157.3 million viewers, you know, throughout, and uh, you know, 60 that would 60, be global, oh, right? Global, global yeah, throughout, mm-hmm. yeah, throughout, and um, you know, 60 million of us paying, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the world, so uh, you know, they're Leading in that, but with Disney like really gobbling up everything, and uh, it's just gonna make that competition, and eventually, there it's gonna be a duke out. So, you know, Amazon Prime, uh, they have 96 million viewers, you know, mm-hmm. throughout, and so, um, Hulu's current full value is 15.8 billion, and with it, this deal, it's gonna increase to 27.5, so this is within a five years' time. So, Comcast stands to make as much as nine billion from the sale within that time frame. But it could also potentially push them out of uh, acquiring a streaming fan base that's more loyal. They are anticipating a streaming service to be released uh, through NBC Universal next year under mm-hmm. Comcast. So, um, now here's the thing that you know when I was looking at the story, you know Disney CEO Bob Iger, he's getting a lot of attention, mm-hmm. you know for just being rich you know mm-hmm. for, and, as um, usual music, yeah mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh so he even admitted that he had to search on wikipedia to figure out everything that, that they, they own like okay so <laughs> said it before i'll say it again cable 2.0 is here except even more consolidated and gilded and this is tr- you know trumpeting every- everything up so i think i'm past warning everybody that this is warned streaming i'm now starting the clock on when we have to stop Disney also find Comcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So my question, Mm -hmm. uh, would Disney plus give people discounts at Disneyland and like Disney world?
0: No. I mean, that's Um, actually um, the worst part about Disney is for a long time, they've been a monopoly. See, this is kind of their strategy. They like to be the dominant practitioner and they will buy up the rest. They will hire the competition. They have no problem making you a subsidiary of them. They, They don't mind buying their competition. So for for whatever category they've in, they're usually the dominant category and they don't tend to have to give discounts for that reason. They don't give breaks. Mm -hmm. Everything is is market value and people buy it. Yeah. And people buy it at that price point. So that's why they never have to give discounts. They never have to. They're not going to have to do damn near anything to get people to sign up for Disney's Mm -hmm. streaming channel on Hulu. Are you kidding me? So Hulu has, what What was that number again? Hulu has. has uh, They have 60, about, you know, 63 million viewer, viewers. 63, so yeah. yeah, they've got 60 million viewers. They've got at least 20 or 30 million subs, paid 28 subscribers. 28
1: million. So
0: yes. imagine Disney's going to tell 28 million people directly that they can now subscribe to Disney straight on Hulu. They don't have to do anything. They can just click that button. And who and all the Disney catalog is going to be available to them, and they'll just be charged five ninety nine a month from here on out for that service right. or whatever. People are going to do it. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. They'll be like, "Oh, she right. should six dollars. Okay, right." And that's if we're being cheap. They might say twelve to fifteen because right now fifteen is considered premium, and people are paying fifteen dollars a month. It, and
1: that's true. Yeah, people yeah. are absolutely paying tears, fifteen dollars. You can have yeah. lesser ads. Yeah,
0: or you can have no ads. <laughs> You You can have only children or Mm -hmm. you can have late night. So, and and who knows what Disney might say? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows what what they might put on there? So that's what I'm saying. So, and then people are going to sign up. And of course, you know, and even whatever price point they put it at, it's not going to be that price point forever. Oh no, it's going to raise once, you know, once all, once Once those 28 million first get on. Right. Once
1: the (laughs) acquisition is complete. Oh, we're going to be paying out. The, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be ridiculous no. because they're
0: going to be in control of no. the entire thing by then. No, so. yeah. So I definitely think that it's, you know, it's important that uh, we keep some diversity in programming because that's the whole reason people opted into the streaming services to begin with because they were like, oh, this TV is being dominated by ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah. We can't get it free of them. Oh, here comes cable. Okay, now cable dominates all of the... News and entertainment programming, and then it's like, okay, let's get to online so we can get some alternative programming. And then what do they do? They buy up all the little streaming groups and services and production companies and everything.
1: There's gonna I'm I'm just uh, you're even paying attention to Elizabeth Warren, was you know, thinking about busting Facebook, you know, Uh, and then so this is you know, uh, these companies when we talk about data and how how we've been able to m- make something that could be a size of, you know, you can't even see it just like gigabytes and things. Mm-hmm. And it's just worth millions of, of dollars,
0: dollars, literally
1: assets, a quick time. Yes. file yes. Of
0: your favorite movies yes.
1: and having it, that Ooh, has to be. Now there's a topic. There, yes. You know? So this
0: worth is worth millions of dollars. And and, and yeah. to move these assets is not cheap either mm-hmm. because the security on media and the time and the resources it takes to format, to actually edit, format, distribute, get media out. The, the the infrastructure that has to exist somewhere for them to be distributed. It is astounding.
1: Think about all the Netflix you binge watch on and all the servers that have to, you know, keep going. And yeah. if anything were to happen, you wouldn't be able to access that.
0: That, and people will, it goes down every now and then, but yeah. people go off. Like, they mm-hmm. can't even wait the seven mm-hmm. minutes that it takes to, like, put it back online. Yeah,
1: yeah. and your customer <laughs> complaints, they, they do go somewhere. Yeah. You know? Uh, to, and to be yeah. fair,
0: it's a totally first world privilege. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it's true that in development world they are getting more access to streaming services like Netflix. I would say Netflix. Now, I would argue that with Disney acquiring Hulu, what it does is allow Hulu to go global. Because I'm not sure that you can access Hulu internationally. Yeah. And so that may be a benefit for them is that Disney will be able to provide the infrastructure that allows yeah. them to stream.
1: It, well, to, they they do have international globally. they do have international channels. However, the Disney's catalogue like just Bob Bob Eager has to go on Wikipedia. And, well, I mean, and, and you so, can watch international
0: things on Hulu, but I'm right. saying Hulu doesn't work. No, in no, Nigeria. they have no.
1: Oh, well, probably not. Yeah. But they may have more countries, but they do have international access. Yeah, some access. access. Okay. Um, well, that's yeah, what I was saying when I was yeah. growing
0: up. Besides Nickelodeon mm-hmm. and the Disney Channel, which Cartoon had, Network. and then they got like yeah. Cartoon Network. Most of television programming was like children during the day, and then adults during the night. Mm-hmm. And now we are free from that. Like, you can literally just play at any time of the day. And direct to the consumer. So. Is. Yeah, so... So yeah. I don't blame Disney, but I do think that we need more diversity than that. Uh, and so yeah. actually what I hope happens is that more people try to get into the streaming game and more people do try to build platforms because I think that's, I think that's Netflix's actual weakness is their actual platform. Now, they have the strongest platform over all the other streaming services, which is why, like I said, who Disney was like, look, there's no point in us trying to build this. Like we're we've got a lot of money, let's just buy something. But but yeah, it's actually really hard. It looks it looks easy, but I imagine there's a lot of coding, there's a lot of work that oh, goes yeah. into making sure that there's endless space, and that these things stream seamlessly. Yeah, right on cue, right on after cue. You see,
1: see it on TV. Yeah, need it the next day on demand. You know, iTunes, anything. So you know uh okay yeah I, I have my feelings reserved i still always love Lion King though.
0: so yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens with that one all right Disney so my hot topic most recently is the Met Gala mm-hmm. it was an astounding event so I don't know if you guys know about the Met Gala I mean traditionally it was just a an artistic you know event party I don't know uh, auction sort of thing fundraiser I don't know what they really consider it a gala I mean they call it a gala but that's what a gala is It's usually like a fundraiser and like auction and things like that so anyway um but over the years it's really turned into like a fanfare um for the New York and artistic elite and um it's definitely something that I look forward to every every year because the, now they're really getting into wearing costume and really exploring like themes and decoration and like ornatement and I just really love it so this year's theme was camp and I remember as a kid my mom used to say that to me all the time like like you look so campy and you know and it was always kind of like a little connotation of like doing way too much like Mm -hmm. over the top maybe a little tacky but not necessarily tacky just like Ugh, like eccentric eccentric like people are gonna see you coming a mile away like oh my god so um and I always really you know tried to like balance that out you know like I don't be campy all the time but sometimes you just gotta be like shit I'm up in this bitch, and I thought you know what's more what's more um emblematic of ghetto becoming mainstream Than the idea of camp, fashion and style at the Met fucking Gala. So, you know, I thought they did. A lot of people pulled it off pretty well. There were some really great moments. I actually posted a commentary so you guys can check it out on our Facebook page full of jokes. But, you know, some of my favorites of the night. Um, we're definitely Lizzo she stands out in my memory I mean this bitch was pink from head to toe but the dress was fly and the coat was hot it was amazing mm-hmm. super dope and um, of course Lena Waithe because I already love her but she wore this dope ass pin jacket that was actually made the pinstripes were actually made of like um, lyrics from hip-hop artists and the buttons were, like, faces of, you know, rappers. I think there was a Hipsy, Nipsey Hustle, and there was a mm. Tupac and, you know, Biggie Smalls face. And the back of it was, like, you know, um, black, was it black trans or black queens invented, like, camp. You know, so just giving us, like, all the life, all the real life commentary. And it was really yeah. amazing.
1: I, I appreciate Billy Porter's extravagant entrance. Oh, my god. Cardi Extra B. Extravaganza. Yeah, it was just, like, everything to yes. me. And, yeah, um, I think it even... Hardy B was out. a blood drop. Yeah. Is that what they were saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, just flowing, just flowing, mm-hmm. you know? Um. So, yeah, it was just really cute, you know? Whenever I see Matt Gally, you you never get anything less than spectacular. I mean, so, and this yeah. was
0: why the theme was, like, so funny because it's almost like having no theme where it's yeah. just, like, do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you know, there were some bad ones out there. There, I thought Katy Perry looked a hot mess as a chandelier. That is not camp. That is <laughs> foolish. She needed to, you know, oh, her dress needed oh to have goodness. some other sort of element of light. I mean, at least. Um, then there was J-Lo, who I swore just wore Beyonce's costume from the partition video back in like mm, 2015 like yeah like yeah i was like first of all me. second of all you actually look all like right. a 1920s jazz yeah. oh. like i think you just maybe should have tried again like that's really boring i'm like so bored yeah, was just so, everyone's interesting my tank.
1: you oh, know yeah, i cool. i like little i guess my little camp you know this weekend long beach mm-hmm. right well yeah hey by the way I'm okay. This is obviously, you know, I had a bird scooter accident, y'all. You know, be careful out there, in L.A. or D.C., anyone that got them bird scooters and everything, get them portable helmets and all that
0: stuff. Yeah, get a helmet. Yeah. That's why you need you a helmet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a helmet on? Uh, no, no, no. See? Who, um, and be real, who Who, who, who wears a helmet? Uh, I don't know, but I have but I will around get here a, somewhere. I,
1: I'm going to get a helmet. No, fine, because, you know, things happen, but I'm okay, but I happy I still get to wear my donut in my future. You know, you know i like This actually gets me free donuts at Krispy Ooh. Kreme. Ooh, I need a donut. Like, you know, they're really generous, but I've got I've, I, need I double up on free Krispy Kreme donuts when I wear this hat. On right. Crenshaw.
0: So, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely it was Good a night time. to remember, so I definitely yeah. just want to give a shout out to the Met Gala and thanks for joining us. We'll be right back hey do you want us to try
1: your great cannabis product go ahead and email sales at south of you can also reach out to us on social media soh podcast official on instagram soh the podcast on twitter or the plain old south of hollywood
0: page on facebook and now for a special segment with filmmaker jamal shakir
2: I'm Asim Jamal Shakir Jr., and I'm the director of Land of No Pity. Um, I was born here in Los Angeles, California, but then later moved and was raised in Warner Robins, Georgia.
0: Oh, wow. So, you know, even though I've known you your whole life, <laughs> I don't know everything about you. So, this mm-hmm. is really fascinating because I'm really happy to know you as an adult, and you're an amazing artist. So, thank Bigger. you. I appreciate it. So um, tell us a little bit about the project Land of No Pity and how you got started, what, what what inspired you?
2: Okay, Land of No Pity is based off of a novel written by my stepmother called Land of No Pity as well. Um, so it's based in the 1980s stem in the present based on government corruption, drug influx, gang culture and impoverished communities here in South Central LA. So after reading the book, Um, I was already into like shooting music videos and photography and stuff, that's kind of how I got into the actual media production side of things. Um, So after doing a few big budgeted music videos, I kind of felt that I was ready to take on a project of this magnitude. So I spoke with Tony, I spoke with my dad and the rest of my family and stuff about actually bringing the book to life and it was something that they had already envisioned but was just writing on the right time so it was kind of like perfect timing uh, so we just finally wrapped up shooting the pilot a 20-minute pilot for the first episode so
0: wow so you know like I said knowing a little bit about your background um what I mean what do you think why do you think something like this is important why do you think we need a film um, you know, about South Central or a series about South Central um, right now? Like, what do you think makes it timely or important right now?
2: Oh, not even right now. I think it's just like, in general, us as a community, a black community, we need to wake up and be aware of the things that's going on around us. Um, it's a lot of negativity, a lot of things that were bestowed upon us that we have to endure and we have to fight that much harder to, be able to break that curse so I feel like at any time that we can produce something that's meaningful and still has power behind it and actual a real meaning behind it while still being able to encapsulate the people that live here so they're able to relate is always going to be something powerful
0: great great so, um, I don't know if you know, recently John Singleton actually passed away. Mm-hmm. And so, he's kind of like the theme behind our you know, uh, topic today. So, can you tell me what's your favorite John Singleton film?
2: <laughs> it's so many. It's too many to even name. And it's like, I've really been studying Snowfall, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a film, it's a series. series but yeah. that's that's what I've been studying as of recent because it's like the same timeline like we're both in 2018-2019 mm-hmm. trying to recreate the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like one of the biggest influences as far as like the color spectrum and the way he shot and just trying to figure out a way to balance between both. Mm-hmm. So I think that one is the one that I would probably yeah. most circle myself around
0: yeah definitely so you know what I really find interesting about John Singleton I feel like he's like our ghetto griot so you know when I was watching when I was your age you know that I I definitely remember him being like one of the first or you know, someone making films that just really related to me, like Poetic Justice is, like, just mm-hmm. my favorite film ever. You know, Boys in the Hood is cool. I was It was a little bit before my time, so mm-hmm. it wasn't really, like, my John Singleton film, but for me it was Poetic Justice. Like, Tupac, Janet Jackson, exactly. like, that was, like, my era, you know? So what I really loved about him, though, was he really created an image of black people, or mm-hmm. you could say, like, the hood. So, you know, my, I guess my question to you is... What do you think about um, not only John Singleton's influence, but just, you know, what the image of the hood looks like? How it's come to be represented? Um, you know, why do we, you know, why are we drawn to this image of the hood, you know?
2: I think it's really like, it's before now. It all started from the time of slavery. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, it was something that, That was already set forth. It was a plan. Mm -hmm. And this is just the outcome of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that just portraying the hood isn't something that should be like glorified. But it's a reality. It's a true reality that many people live in Mm -hmm. today and have lived in and will continue to live in. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like the ghettos and the hood and stuff like that is something that has to be spoken out upon. Mm -hmm. Like just because if not then we just go continue the cycle that we're in Mm -hmm.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's really interesting i mean like do you feel like you saw a lot of real depictions of the hood when you were growing up or was it like man i gotta i gotta show people what it's really like you know i I don't know what did you think when you were growing up seeing stuff like um you know like boys in the hood or Mm -hmm. you know it was kinda bad boy even, you know?
2: I think it was more so from like our perspective, our point of view, it wasn't just the hood. Like mm-hmm. we knew we were placed in this this environment, mm-hmm. but it was more so this is what we live. It's like a reality as opposed to like on the outside looking in, it's like, okay, that's the hood. Mm-hmm. But it's like for the people that are encapsulated in this community, it's like this is our life this is like really us this Mm -hmm. is us being portrayed on the big screen Mm -hmm. so as opposed to it just being like okay how does it feel seeing the hood on tv it's kind of like that picture doesn't even resonate in your mind because it's just like no that's our life you know like Mm -hmm. we don't know anything else so this is our life we don't know anything outside of the hood so it's like how can we relate to anything else
0: I know what you mean Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely feel like that too I definitely think it's like sometimes, well, like I said, with John Singleton especially, I feel like it was kind of a window into uh, the hood, like yeah. into like real life. Like you said, what like it's not the hood, it's just our neighborhood. Yeah. So like just um, seeing like girls that had long nails and had super long braids and that were like dudes who was like hustling but also working. I was yeah. like, oh, I feel like that, you know, I related to that. And um, you know, I feel like we need more positive reinforcement too, where we see like both sides of the so-called hood mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so, with your story, how do you hope it develops, or your project? You know, what are you looking forward to showing in your work?
2: Uh, that's that's like one of our biggest things. Like that's our whole like basis and mission statement is to create awareness for the Black community and the people that come from these places. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like like I say, land of no pity. If you look at the the cover of it, or you hear the name of it, or you see just like a storyline or hear a slug line, then it's like, oh, this is another Hood movie. But it's a silver lining in it, which is like the meaning that we all are here to do something better. We're here to break out of this box. It's okay to be outside the box and succeed. You know what I'm saying? Like to defy all odds and jump the moon is like something we need to embrace, Mm -hmm. which is like a lack in this community right now it's like when somebody steps outside that box to elevate themselves, mm-hmm. it's kind of like they get turned back on it's kind of like okay now everybody think you switching up everybody think you trading because you're trying to elevate your mind you're mm-hmm. trying to elevate your yourself spiritually and physically but it's like at the end of the day we're not meant to be in this box us as black people we're a powerful race mm-hmm. so it's like to be inside of this inside of this box is not where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But it's like just encapsulating people and allowing people to to actually resonate with the film to be able to be like, okay, that is me on the film. Mm-hmm. That is the life that I live mm-hmm. and be able to just create the awareness to be like, I can get outside this box and I can elevate myself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's dope. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I like that that element of like You know, consciousness you got in there, too. I I like that. Where'd that come from?
2: Just, it's all, like I said, it's based off the book. Mm -hmm. So we kind of took different excerpts from the books. Mm -hmm. And it was based on true events and stuff. So a lot of the stuff, like, really happened. Mm -hmm. um, With, of course, fictional characters and stuff like that. But it was more so true. It's raw. It's uncut. And it's just, like, I feel like that's something that has to be in there. In order for us to make a change and in order to change mindsets, we have to let it be known. We have to make people aware of what the silver lining
0: is. That's awesome. So where would you like to see your series? Because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of demand out here in the big white world. You know, I personally love Netflix, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and if it's not this series, even your next series, what's your, what's your dream? What's your dream goal? What you trying to do?
2: My dream goal is to get it to any platform that's gonna reach the most people that can be affected. Like, as far as just one specific platform, like, yeah, one may be cool, one may be more popular than the other, but it's like if I go take it to HBO, I know that I might not reach as many black people as I could if I take it to Netflix. Mm -hmm. So whoever gives me that platform to be able to reach as many people that I wanna reach, Mm -hmm. that's where that's where my dream is gonna be.
0: Dope, dope. That's up. And, and how can people get in touch with you? Just so I have that, you
2: know. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Land of No Pity. Um, and then we also you can catch us on the website where we have the merchandise, the book, and all that as well at landofnopity.com.
0: Awesome. Look, professionals, just ready, ready. Any other last thoughts you want to leave with people or anything you want to say about film and, you know, just your your project and what you're putting up to, you
2: know? Um, I just want to let it be known that at the end of the day, we all got to band together. It's a bigger cause than just us. It's generations to come after us. Um, and after that generation as well that we got to set a legacy and a foundation for. It. So if we start now, then it's like our grandkids and their grandkids are going to be able to benefit. So it's like we can't continue to wait. We got to put our foot down and press the gas and keep going.
0: Yeah, that's what's up. I love it. Thanks, Cuz. Thanks for coming it. Yes. All right, and welcome back. This is The Real. Today, we are going to talk about John Singleton and his invaluable lens. Was showcased South Central to the world. Mm. Just so we're clear, John Singleton was born January 6, 1968, and passed April 28, 19, 20, 2019. <laughs> well, I got it. So, Kojo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know why you wanted to talk about um, your relationship to uh, John Singleton today.
3: Well, uh, my name is Kojo Sankofo but also my government name is Kwejojan Apintin. I'm a filmmaker and journalist, originally from Ghana, West Africa. And it just happens that John Singleton was married to a beautiful actress from Ghana who played in Color Mm -hmm. Purple. Mm -hmm. And as the young, um, Student, I always admired John Singleton and, you know, just held him really high. Yeah, I mean, I I loved John Singleton's work because he reflected the true ghetto situation and was also the window for especially ones on the continent, Africans, to check out what our brothers in the West were doing. Mm -hmm. So it was as real as you get it. From John.
0: Wow! And did you mention you're a filmmaker? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming. So yeah, it's
3: absolutely thanks.
0: So um, so I wanted to start off with, you know, why do you think John Singleton is important, and you know, what is the impact you think he's probably had on your life and you know the lives of others?
3: Uh, first of all, I would like to commend you and Tyler for great work it's really important that y'all doing this and i mean the future is gonna see what y'all doing and start it it's gonna really go really far so i'm very proud of y'all oh thank you john singleton is very important for black cinema because he was a film scholar and he took it back to his neighborhood he reflected the way people thought. He was a real good storyteller. And I equate him to ones like Osman Sembene, who we revered so much on the African mm-hmm. continent, just keeping it as raw as it was. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I'm an ethnographic filmmaker, and, and so I'm really inspired, or I was really... Um, I always wanted to show people that that could be a part of fiction as well. Mm-hmm and that it was important to have that sort of back and forth with real life, you mm. know, experiences. And I think he really illustrated what it looked like to actually be from the quote unquote ghetto or the hood. And even though Boys in the Hood maybe wasn't the first film about life in the in black communities, it definitely was you know, the first to be cinematic and artistic and mm-hmm. still raw and realistic. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, you know, Singleton was very important to me because his tourism was definitely in realism. He basically helped coin the term ur- urban in the 90s, um, so life in the hood, how to make the best of it. You know, um, his female characters or women characters throughout are very strong, uh, very complex connections between, like, uh Black women and black men, you know how to survive in the hood. What what it means to have relationships and go through things, uh, kind of earlier than what our you know white counterparts would, as far as you know what our uh, life, what's expected of us in life. Um, so sometimes you know sisters and you know little brothers or parent, you know little kids have to man up and you know be a man. So my favorite movie was um, Baby Boy, you know, to that effect, because he started those um tropes and you know how to how to hustle in the hood things that people wouldn't have like on a resume get a job you know uh and try to make it you know it's like you gotta be really creative so um i also remember uh remember the time uh with michael jackson's anthology for him to be able to direct eddie murphy and mine, you know uh Lawrence Fishburne was all that, you know, let alone just Michael Jackson, that whole short film and that other aspect of like uh, early black fantasy or, you know, historical complex.
0: Afrofuturism even, you know, I used to show that in my Afrofuturism class to the kids because Mm -hmm. first of all, they were born in the 90s. So a lot of them never saw it. But just the idea, you know, of incorporating culture and identity and history into, you know, pop culture and things that were mass appealing. Um and it, but also respectful dignified way so I feel like like I said boys in the hood goes down as just like a really interesting story but it's a it's a it's a Greek tragedy you know told from the perspective of the hood and so I always really thought that was beautiful I personally love um, poetic justice you know and it was before I even really knew who Tupac was but I knew who Janet Jackson was but I just thought it was like I was saying you know just a romantic comedy it's like but if 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 rom-com were done the way black people experience it like we were talking about uh cinema noir a few yeah. weeks ago it would be this tragedy it would be a tragedy and i just thought that's kind of what ends up happening you know it's got this twist to it and it's and it's but at the same time like i said it's like a, a great first day it's like you know the people who fall meet, you know and then fall in love you know even though they're totally different or whatever they think they're different So it's just, like, really great. And, um, like I said, my cousin mentioned Snowfall, you know, and him being kind of inspiration behind getting that series off the ground and being able to produce, you know, something that was continuous. And then I think their focus was really just putting people to work and making sure there were black uh, actors and, you know, producers and staff and people making it happen.
1: For real. Um, And, I mean, he had variety, you know, even with... Taking on Too Fast, Too Furious, you know, who knew Ludacris, yeah. <laughs> you know, could be the actor. And he, he really just kicked off so many people's careers and and really made it possible for now we have so many black owned production companies. You know, Ice Cube, you know, definitely openly yeah. attributes yeah. his, his Cube Vision yeah. You know so to John Singleton.
0: And I think even like Queen Latifah was just like You know that's been such a huge inspiration I mean well everyone for Mm so many people But like she's in the media mogul now Because of like being able to tell those type of stories Basically you know Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah it took for somebody like John to give a lot of Black people a shot Mm -hmm. And then he's established for himself In Hollywood His own mark So people will forever Relate to Mm -hmm. his films And always be that
0: yeah yeah so like i said you know you line up all the different films together and you start to see that he really did kind of construct a universe as we're so mm-hmm. common to say right now but you know a style in a community that if you will those are all different mm-hmm. parts of south central um different times and different experiences um yeah i always really appreciated how he did um uh, like we read talking about baby boy that they you know that that um that uh, Taraji P. Henson played such a complex character and they took mm-hmm. something that was often seen as a stereotype like baby mama mm-hmm. and then really delve into what that was like and how tragic and hurtful it was because she loved this person and she wanted him in her life but he didn't get a job, he didn't help pay the bills, he will take her car and run her stuff up and mm-hmm. you know maybe sometimes he'll be nice but a lot of times he will be abusive. So it's like, that was a real live experience and I personally knew a lot of people experiencing it as a young woman and then here it was, you know, the first time that it was given credence as a real story, as a real narrative, as mm. something that a lot of a- women go through and experience and feel. And I was like, we do! That mm. is our story and nobody ever shares that story. They just be like, oh, they baby mamas. Oh, look at the baby mamas fighting in the street But they might really love this person and be going through it and be feeling like they need them and that give him that humanity, give him that dignity. I thought was just always my favorite thing. So I loved Taraji P so long ago because mm-hmm. I felt like she really yeah. did that. She encompassed yeah. that character. He brought it out of her, and he wrote it, and he 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 had it. She could right. really. She was the star, right? Because I I thought I hated Jody. I hated <laughs> Jody, right? You know? Like he was horrible.
1: Yeah, and um, even him directing Snoop Dog because. Mm-hmm his character and and his interactions with Taraji P, you know, when it gets that climax of, you know, things like, oh, you know, you so you gonna take it? You mm-hmm. know, is he gonna, ra- you, you gonna rape me and all of that? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh you know, having to have that just real, raw, you know, interaction. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, people who are willing to step up and play those roles because New Dog could have, you know, yeah. turned it down. Mm-hmm. You know, but we, you know, not, Years later, knowing now how versatile, you know, universal Snoop Dogg is. And mm-hmm. I think interactions uh, with John Singleton really contributed yes. to his expansion of career.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, my last part of my last point about this topic, mm-hmm. too, was, you know, so as he kind of developed this style and an eye that we can kind of identify, you know, ghetto has become a commodity, and especially over the last 20 years, you know, so initially it was kind of a revelation to see those stories. But, you know, I'm just wondering how you guys feel about, you know, even the, the term of ghetto or like, you know, we can see again that he kind of gave it a, a a wide meaning. You know, what do you think it's come to mean now?
1: Uh, ghetto is globalized. I do believe it's globalized, um, you know, from just the point of the revolutionary uh happenings with hip-hop internationally you know where you have Vladimir Putin trying to have a say as to what's going on in hip-hop because it's had it's representing struggle when when this was packaged and you know like when we see early 2000s you know where hip-hop is in the White House, NWA going to the White House. You know, uh, we have all these sales, millions of platinum records of all these different rappers and they're saying, you know, all these messages. Um, it, now, you know, well, this is about 20 years since. Mm. this Hip-hop has generations of, hip, you know, of impact now. So it's just become globalized. But what it means for South Central, um, it's the quintessence. This is the quintessence of, ghetto you know mm-hmm. everyone hears yeah. about south central and mm-hmm. it's just yeah. one of the it, it, you know most uh,
0: reputable uh places yeah. when you want to get people ghetto, think about ghetto, ghetto they mm-hmm. think about south central and i would argue that is mostly because of john singleton i mean yes you know south central was always considered a dense urban or black or people of color because it initially was jewish and then it became african-american but i think it's it was his filmmaking that really solidified what it meant mean to be from South Central and thus the the ghetto. That was the ghetto. I mean, now it's, we think of also maybe now Cabrini-Greens but that's like, again, a little bit further into the projects but if we just talk about the the ghetto strictly, we, we think about Brooklyn and we the think Bronx. about the Bronx and we think about South Central.
3: Yeah. But also it's universal and mm-hmm. um, Films like The City of God
0: mm-hmm.
3: and Toti. yes, I mean, give it as raw as it is in those countries, in yes. those elements of what people face, a day-to-day struggle. So, mm-hmm. being from the ghetto, like even Bob Marley's music, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have come from the ghetto, and that's why it's trendy for... Suburbians to want to be from yeah. the ghetto the ghetto now all right everything uh-huh. from the ghetto yeah can sell mm-hmm Oh mm-hmm. yep. uh, yeah
0: what were you saying about like kind of your experience growing up you know I mean I know because since it is global and but but does it mean the same thing everywhere
3: yeah I mean I I didn't grow up in the ghetto I mean I grew up middle class wherever neighborhoods in Africa but to be I mean you see it you go to places and then it's the struggle of the people the struggle the poverty that creates the environment of the ghetto but the, within that there is that element of creativity that looks like a superpower mm-hmm. that it charges people to do things and it's mm-hmm. the same that since being in America being in the ghettos of Detroit I mean, places, Chicago, New York, um, I see the same thing. It's and now here, too. Yeah, now here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very, very similar yeah. in experiencing yeah.
1: You know, I yeah, I lived in the hood across America. Like, shout out Locust Street, Milwaukee. You know, shout mm-hmm. out Edgewater, Chicago, Rogers Park. You know, no, nah,
0: the Rogers Park oh, is nice, but yeah, yeah. Oh no, not
1: the jungle. <laughs> yeah, not there have some.
0: There are some bad parts. Yeah, there no, parts. but um, but uh, yeah, just having
1: to be aware of my surroundings every day. I it, it just it's just uh the things that I do find similar, uh amongst living all of the hood is that uh there is an ability to kind of just sense you know there's the hood communication like the un the unknowns like i know for example you know i'm gonna quit soap, smoking the cigarettes. unsaid yeah like i'm the a girl, known
0: but the unsaid right, the known yeah. but
1: the unsaid like i know where i'm a um where i'm going get my you know cigarettes if i want a single cigarette you know you can't sell out the packs you know um or legally or whatever but you you know where to where to get it mm-hmm. you know uh little things like that uh but it's just like how did how are we getting by you yeah. know that's that's and so it's a way of getting be- by mm-hmm. definitely
0: and i do think it's it's a way of you know sometimes not only i know if it, it might feel like survival but i sometimes i do feel like it's it can expand into the way in which people kind of are are able to change things you know because it's Ghetto is also a gateway into changing. That's the thing. Sometimes something transform, oh girl, we got this ghetto set up, but we doing it, mm-hmm. right? We ghetto, but we here. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have camera mics last week, but we got some now, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So ghetto was being able to keep progressing too mm-hmm. yeah. and keep changing. And and it's kind of been a, you know, I guess the, if, if there's like an American dream, then the hood dream has always been to like, what? Get out of the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. That's always been the dream. But when we were coming up, the dream started to being like, well, well, nah, nah, you can't just get out of the ghetto, you gotta stay in the ghetto. And again, I think there's a reiteration with, with what Nipsey was trying to do is now you have to reclaim the ghetto. You gotta rebuild the ghetto. You Reinvest oh, yeah. in the ghetto. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I just,
1: I, um, RIP I was, IP, you know, you know, you you <laughs> I know. was on, um, at the end of March, you know what, it, it was literally the night before Nipsey had passed, I was at a a party event in Venice and I was doing some small talk with a realtor but you know he uh, was doing so much business and so he I just asked him I was like so where what's the prime location you know in LA you know was things on the west side things you know he was like no South Central like everybody's trying to buy in and he in and, and and it hawkishly so so um, you know what it's created now uh you know with the effects of gentrification where it's you know what uh the constant i'm um, gonna have to say it wanting our culture but not wanting us mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so where we have our power in john singleton is just you know this is ours mm-hmm. you know this is something where we got redlined into boxing into, or however which way but right. this is this
0: is ours to us yeah though. you know yeah.
1: yeah and and so uh yeah just uh very impactful um i just a word to help everybody get you know get your checks done and everything like that Mm -hmm. um take care of yourselves and you know really gone too soon uh but i definitely appreciate everything that he's contributed even you know for long run legacy he does definitely has a legacy
3: and it's about time that we redefine what a ghetto means, mm-hmm. you know, because we're kings and queens, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of killing one another in a the ghetto, there's so many creative people. I don't know if you all yes. know about Idris Sandu, mm-hmm. who is designed for Uber, Instagram, mm-hmm. Snapchat. And that's the kid who Nipsey was mentoring. That's mm-hmm. the kid who set up nips store as a smart store mm-hmm. and he's he's now 21 he was in compton mm-hmm. you know so that's that attitude that mm-hmm. we need in the ghetto mm-hmm. you know right positivity
1: right. for sure oh my gosh man so we definitely got a real mm-hmm. up <laughs> in here yeah. uh, with, with uh you know all these heavy topics so please you know take away and share this with your friends you know because it is hella hot fire in these streets and let us know what on.
0: you think let yeah. us know what you think about yeah. ghetto um your thoughts about john singleton maybe your favorite film or just anything you want to share about you know life in south central
1: right for real if you got questions for us it's, it's all gravy you know it's all love over here And thank you for joining South of Hollywood. We'll see you next time, next month. Catch up with us.
0: And now for our viral video. This year, the Met Gala really showed out. And so check out this viral video with Ciara and Big Frida.
3: meme que mia fico valer que mia fico ora temos funo nessa vai it worse to back boom tick 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 mix tick a tick tick mix tick mix it, tick 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 it, tick 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 mix it, tick 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 mix tick 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 a